Today we're chatting to Matt from the Australian Army. Matt works in a logistical role, so he's really well placed to tell us about the kind of careers that you would find on an army base. Um, we have vehicle mechanics, um, we have kind of electricians and auto electricians, we have guys who work on kind of circuit boards and whatnot, we have um, people who set up our power distribution, we have people who are what I guess are called fitters um, or fitter armaments, they work on everything between weapons and we also have uh, metalsmiths who do a lot of welding and metallurgy, that kind of stuff. Matt didn't start as a full-time member in defence. I started um, a biomedicine degree and at the same time, maybe a year or two in, I started actually in the Army Reserve. So it's really interesting to hear about his decision-making to date. He also answers some questions about what it means to join the Army Reserves. Traditionally, Army Reservists would provide one evening a week. And offer some advice to those considering a career in defence. We've got to be physically, mentally um, ready to be actually take on any task that, that could be asked of us. This conversation is a really good listen for anyone who might be considering joining the reserves and Matt speaks really candidly about the specific reasons that he chose army and defence more broadly. This conversation is one of eight in our series Profiling Different Careers in Defence. In this series, we're talking to real people about their day job and the realities of that position. So to get kick-started, can you tell me what your job title is? I am a Army General Service Officer, and more broadly, I'm a Logistics Officer within the Army. So my actual job title um, at my particular unit where I work is the second in command of the Operational Support Squadron. So what does that mean for someone who has no context to life inside defence? What do you do day to day? So my organisation is about 70-odd people. And for me, um, I have a boss known as the officer commanding who provides the direction about broadly everything we do and make sure that our people's health and well-being is good and that our commanders on the ground are taking care of their people. And also make sure that all our WHS, so our workplace health and safety requirements are adhered to and that everyone's workplace is safe. So if we had to find parallels between your position and a civilian position, is there a job title that you think is kind of apples for apples? Not quite. It's kind of a mix of a couple different roles. So you'd think in any organisation, their workplace health safety manager, operations manager for a, uh, a an organisation of about 70 people is, is probably on track. And then I guess um, an administration or policy officer is probably the third component, which would kind of put all my roles together. Do you like your job? Yeah, absolutely I do. And <laughs> what do you like about it? Um, for me, uh, some of the best things about my job is the, the variety of things I get to do. So every two to three years, um, we have a, a posting cycle. So we get moved around either within the state or across Australia to different defence bases. It also means that we might be doing a slightly different job based on what part of the army we're in. That's the big scale, but also on the day-to-day, I get a lot of variety. So I have a blend of physical training in the morning, which could be as a small group, or it also could be larger, and it could be anything from your standard gym session, lifting weight circuits, to putting on army gear, crawling through the mud, having a good time. So your job isn't what we imagine as like a frontline position. You're more in the office role, and you still get the opportunity to do those physical training every morning. Yeah, in that sense, um, as a logistics officer, um, we aren't necessarily trained to be expert war fighters, um, but we are at all times soldiers first. So while we are all soldiers and officers uh, trained to employ soldier skills, we have a primary role. And our primary role back at home in Australia is often in a uh, barracks environment where we have day-to-day work um, in offices for people such as myself, or as when we go overseas or whatnot, we will find ourselves working in more uh, arduous conditions. Instead of uh, an office, it might be a tent, it might be the back of a vehicle, we might be carrying our body armour, weapons and whatnot. And if I want to understand how a base works, so on this base here, you said that there's 70-ish? 
in my in my particular organization or i should say my squadron my my unit is composed of four different squadrons so the math stacks up pretty quickly and every unit's kind of different depending on their job role equipment and also where they're located in australia it means they get a certain number of people and there's obviously a whole lot of variance between not only army air force and navy um, so I can't really say that every organization is exactly 100 people. Every organization is exactly that. It all really depends on what capability that defense expects of us. And so in your squadron here, are those 70 to 100 people doing the same thing or do you have a mix of roles? No, we have a mix of roles. Um, so my particular organization, um, as I might have touched on before, is logistics focused. So we're primar- primarily rather composed of a workshop. So like you'd think, um, we have vehicle mechanics, um, we have kind of electricians and auto electricians, we have guys who work on kind of circuit boards and whatnot, we have um, people who set up our power distribution, we have people who are what I guess are called fitters um, or fitter armaments, they work on everything between weapons and we also have uh, metal smiths who do a lot of welding and metallurgy, that kind of stuff. That's kind of our workshop. And the other side, we have a supply and distribution uh, component which supply everything from the small little um, screws and nails and all that kind of stuff through to components to vehicles, tyres, really large pieces of equipment um, that our organisation needs to keep on functioning. So how did you get into the Defence Force? Can you tell me a little bit about your career journey from high school? Yeah, so out of high school, um, I was fortunate to, to get some good grades. So I went off to uni in Melbourne. I started um, a biomedicine degree and at the same time, maybe a year or two in, I started actually in the Army Reserve. So very much our part-time force and conducted my officer training uh, in the in the Army Reserve, doing it Can part-time. Can I just interrupt you there and ask you, biomedical degree and then Army Reserves, they sound like such pole opposite decisions. Can you tell me a bit about what attracted you to each? I guess um, from a biomedical perspective, I'd done science at school. I was more of a chemistry guy, not a huge amount of biology, but it was a natural progression if I wanted to keep my door, op- uh, door open for further science kind of roles or medical roles. So my leadership, so at school, I was also like a, a school captain type um, individual, had a lot of involvement with peer support as well as St. Vincent Paul. And then army in terms of reserve, because I wanted to you know, pursue a uh, civilian university. Army Reserve was the natural progression for the leadership side of the house while I could stay in my home state at home and also get the education that I wanted. Did you like the degree? I did until I didn't. I guess for me, I um, I found out after the first couple of years that a, a career in medicine or whatnot probably wasn't um, going to be for me. A lot of people that I've interviewed were attracted to a life in Defence Force because they had a sibling or a parent who was a part of the force themselves. Are you in that same category? No, no, I didn't have any family members as such. I guess my only real connection was during year 12, I was fortunate enough to win or be awarded one of the ADF long-term awards for leadership and teamwork. So that's something that kind of got my interest. And then it wasn't for a couple of years later that it kind of came to mind that I might really continue that leadership training now that I was outside of school um, with the Army. Can I ask you to tell me a little bit about that scholarship? That's just an an award, kind of like a once-off. So it's awarded, um, I believe it's both year 10 and year 12. They do uh, the Teamwork Leadership Award. So they're often just um, a nice handshake, bit of paper, but also a bit of recognition for your your hard work over those 12 months and maybe a a small financial reward around $500 or so. And did your careers advisor or a teacher nominate you for that? Or how did did your nomination come about? I think uh, at the school, each of the schools kind of gets contacted or they register their interest. Um, so for me, I think it was a mix of the, the year level coordinator, the, the school principal, deputy principals coming together of the eligible students and then putting a name forward. 
As someone who didn't grow up in a defense family, was that a pathway that you were really considering at all? It was and it wasn't. I guess um, initially I was thinking more leaning towards policing after whatever studies I did achieve. Um, that's probably the defense and police pathway came about from watching too many action movies as a kid and really getting engrossed in that. But then after I started Army Reserve when I was in my young, uh, or I should say my early 20s, I realized it was something I was really enjoying. Um, at the same time, I also was fortunate enough um, to join Victoria Police as a public servant, so not as a police officer. So I got a bit of an exposure there to understand and contrast the two professions and their lifestyles. You say contrast, but I do see so many parallels between life as a police officer and life in defence because they're both service jobs in yeah. the sense that they benefit the community. Is that what attracted you to both? Yeah, absolutely. Service was probably one of the biggest things I picked up from my school. They really instilled in me a culture of service, be that through um, volunteer work or helping others or through leadership, through sport, whatever it is, there's a way to better yourself in your community. And that was really important to me to have an, an element of service in my profession, not just my volunteer time. So for me, both achieved that. Um, but for me, yeah, Army just kind of became the really interesting and also the one that really kind of clicked with me, to put it simply. So can I also ask why you decided to pick the Army specifically over the other streams, be it Air Force and Navy? I guess for me, it was really influenced to begin with about the Army Reserve. So the Army Reserve offers, I guess, more local options in terms of training and establishment. In terms of weighing up Army, Navy and Air Force, Army was closer to me and actually provided a training opportunity um, part-time as opposed to going full-time for a little bit and then being able to transfer to either the Navy or the Air Force Reserve. Did you know anyone when you signed up? Oh, good question. I think I might have had like a mate brother or a guy who went through a couple years ahead of me who went on to do um, Army Reserve training. But apart from that, I didn't really have any, any mates or anyone from school that I could recall joining Defence. And what's that process like? Because I know that joining the Defence Force, you're such a tight-knit community. Is everyone instantly friends because of the shared experience of the training? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I'm sure there's many studies out there and many more people brighter than I who've, who've done studies to figure that kind of stuff out. But I think in simple terms for me, it was um, shared experience through, I guess, adverse or trying conditions. So the training environments, particularly for our initial people when they get into recruit courses, are difficult and they're challenging um, in m many more ways than one. And as you feel like you're not really getting it straight away, as you learn and develop, you're doing it with potentially peers of, I don't know, in some examples up to 60 people in a recruit platoon maybe or two platoons together. Um, as you go through, you're not only going through this hard stuff together, but you're learning together and you're getting better at your job as you do it. So there's a lot of admiration and, I guess, mateship, which is at the crux of the Australian soldier as to how we can do our jobs and how we form small teams very easily, is that we go through and work through our problems together and then we kind of grow stronger um, than the sum of our individual parts. I'm acutely aware that the training builds this sense of resilience in everyone and it's really tough to get through. Can you tell me how you've changed as a person through defence? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting question when you look back what you are now versus when you joined, all that kind of stuff. I guess outside of the business skills that I've been gifted with and, and taught how to manage people, how to write report, how to actually run physical training, there's a whole plethora of things that you pick up in the, in the skills variety. At the same time, 
you get a lot of exposure to people going through difficult times, people going through great times, and then learning how to not only deal with that and advise, but also regulate your own emotion. So these days, things that are potentially very confronting for someone who's maybe in that 16 to 23 bracket is probably not as confronting for me because I've been through training scenarios where I've been pushed out of my comfort zone. I've had to deal with people coming to me talking about their issues because I was their direct line manager and I had the skills and knowledge to be able to find them some resources and maybe get them some help. It's a really interesting kind of perspective you take that you don't realize that you've built up these skills in the background while you've been learning how to lead people and do paperwork. You actually know how to relate to people, how to advise and how to actually understand what someone's going through to be able to give them some options and really get good outcomes. And that's because we're so, I guess, tight knit, become really really well-versed at actually assisting each other. So I want to chat a bit more about what the Army Reserves mean comparatively to joining the Army as a full-serving member, if that is the correct terminology. Can you run me through the differences between the two? Yeah, sure. So I guess in simple terms, um, we refer to the Army Reserve now as our part-time force. So I guess the Army Reserve is service um, at your location as opposed to joining up and moving into state or alike. Traditionally, Army Reservists would provide one evening a week and then they would do somewhere between one or two weekends away um, with a couple two-week periods throughout a year. The full-time Army, so they join up and go away to longer courses. After their initial training, they go on to trade training and then they move around the country every two to three years or it might be a bit longer depending on their job and it's their day-to-day, their Monday to Friday. Once you decided that defense was the life for you Mm -hmm. what was your first job or your first kind of responsibility that you were given i guess after i'd finished my training so i was a student in terms of um, the army reserve learning to be an officer for about three and a bit years once i finished my officer training we, we call that you get your commission or you are commissioned Once I commissioned, I became a a platoon commander um, in Melbourne for a reserve organisation. And so then I got put in a a workshop where I was expected to be a first-line manager, deal with paperwork, business decisions, managing staff, that kind of stuff. We're recording this interview in Brisbane. You are a Melbourne local. You are born and bred Melbourne. How did you end up here? What was that transfer process like? Yeah, I guess being an army reservist, I trained locally, I served locally. Um, but it got to a point though that I was really enjoying my army service. So uh, through conversation and people I'd been on training and worked with previously offered me an opportunity in Adelaide. I took a job in Adelaide on a, a contract. So I was essentially the full-time force for maybe up to a year. Came back to Melbourne, reacquainted myself with Melbourne, kind of resumed my Melbourne life, went back to my regular job. And then I realized, hey, you know, like this job's good and all, but for me, I really enjoyed that army time. Maybe I'll go to some place where I'll be in a full-time army environment. So I put the feelers out. One of the the guys I'd met on one of my full-time army courses, I was lucky to get on, said, hey, you know, there's an opportunity in Brisbane. Um, We're not going to have a particular person for the next posting cycle. That means that it's going to be free. Would you like to come up? I said, of course. So I took that. I did a contract for a year, being in a full-time army unit doing army day to day, I had a great time. I signed on for another year and now um, I've really enjoyed myself. I'm in my third year in a row full time and now I'm no longer considered an army reservist on a contract. I've, I've what they say jumped across. So I'm now a full-time army member and I've just moved to one of the other bases in the, the Brisbane kind of outer suburb area. Can you tell me a pinch me moment that you've had in your career? Yeah, um, I guess the one that first comes to mind was at the end of 2021, so not too long ago, I was uh, fortunate to get onto a a mobile training team to go over to Vanuatu. Um, That was really 
one of my first experiences as a team going overseas. So I've never deployed um, during my career onto a named operation or anything like that, never been in the Middle East. So to, to get to go to another country, be part of a training mission and deliver some really valuable training to one of our partners um, nearby. Why would the Australian Defence Force go to Vanuatu and help in a training capacity? I guess um, we're really fortunate um, as a country to have um, a well-resourced defence. Um, we are a small nation relatively, but within our region, um, we have a big influence. So Vanuatu, um, just to the north of Australia, is um, a smaller place considerably um, than us. Don't have necessarily a standing army at this point in their, in their life. They've got a, a police force as opposed to an army. So for us to have a bit more experience and maybe some training establishments that we can't necessarily bring to them, but we can bring people to them, take a bit of our expertise and our experience and share it with them um, because they are um, not too far from our from our coastline. And it's one of those things that we should really have a, a strong community um, around our nation. We do that with a lot of countries, I believe. That particular region, the southwest We've, we've grown a lot, particularly in the last few years. Um, you see a lot these days in, in media about us going to the Solomon Islands, about us going to Fiji, about Fijians coming to Brisbane and um, spending anywhere up to a year working in Australian Army um, locations. Um, it's one of those special opportunities these days that we're, we're really getting to know in, in a deeper level um, our friends, brothers, sisters um, across the ocean a little bit. So who should consider joining defence? Is there the type of person that thrives in this organisation? Is there an ideal candidate? I guess based on my experience, there's no um, carbon copy. There's no perfect cookie cutter solution. Um, I've been through training in my career to date, um, albeit near seven years. I've seen a lot of different people and they all succeed for different reasons. But at the same time, they all have a commonality that they're willing to work for the team, the mateship. Um, they have the qualities, they represent defence values, and they actually have a bit of drive about what they, they're interested in. They don't have to all think the same way. They don't have to do the same things, but they've actually got to be proud of their contribution, proud of the fact that they're going to be joining a very noble organisation that is in the best interest of the Australian people. And it also helps if they're a bit fit. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Being fit um, is not necessarily the, a criteria you need to meet straight away, but you do need to have a bit of pride and a bit of effort in terms of your, your physical training. Because at the end of the day, all our jobs at some point will be physical. It might not be day to day, but um, if the government asks for us to go somewhere, we, we've got to be physically, mentally um, ready to be actually take on any task that, that could be asked of us. Do you have any advice for people that are on the fence about considering joining the Defence Force? Yeah, I guess in simple terms, do what you can to research, um, not just website style stuff, but attend those opportunities where actual serving members of a particular job you might be interested in are making themselves available. Defence locations these days are really fortunate to, after COVID, be putting on open days, particularly our army barracks, and that's an opportunity to just talk to real people. You're talking to someone who works on that base on the day-to-day, -day, and they've probably spent part of their year away on exercise, away on course, working with people who they probably really enjoyed working with, and they could probably give you a very realistic approach as to what they've enjoyed, because the worst thing would be to read something on paper and think it's great, but then when you're living it and it becomes part of your life, you don't really realise that it wasn't the thing you thought it was. So what kind of questions should students be asking real people? Because I think that's something that young people really struggle with, is they don't necessarily have the vocabulary to know what to ask. Yeah, that's completely reasonable. It's a very very fair question. I guess in simple terms, you'd want to know, hey, what kind of hours do you work? What kind of breaks do you get? Do you go away from home much? 
what was really hard about when you were away? Do you actually find yourself really well supported? Do you enjoy the people you work with? Does your boss really understand you? I'd say a lot of people would say that they found maybe initially a bit difficult, a bit daunting being away from home in a, a very foreign place, but the opportunity to actually work with people and build a bit of a family and community up there probably got them through it and they've really started to prosper after that moment. So I'm going to steal your question because I really like how you recommended that students ask someone else about the challenges of their career Mm -hmm. what has been a challenging moment or part of your career oh good question i think that initial training being away for a little bit that was ultimately a bit challenging but after those first two scary weeks where there's a lot of different things going on a very fast-paced environment because you're just not used to it um once you came to terms with that, that you were going through it together, that kind of gave you a bit of that camaraderie and ability to process and actually feel what was going on. I guess my first posting to state was a bit challenging, being away from family, leaving my partner in Melbourne, all that kind of stuff. So to come to overcome that, we have things such as messes. Messes are a uh, cornerstone of our um, organization and our military where people of certain ranks come together just as a social environment, be it a relaxed TV room, having dinners together in the mess hall, that kind of thing. And you actually start to meet people and then, you know, all of a sudden that time in Adelaide where you thought you'd be going for a run, hitting the gym and then you'd watch a movie or two turns into, hey, no, let's go out for old mate's birthday. Let's um, actually go on a bit of a hike. Let's um, go see the wineries, whatever it is that you're interested in. Let's go... um, go-karting um there's all of a sudden you've got a community and friends that you can actually go out and experience that city with and yeah it's not going to replace the fact that you're away from home and you're making that time for phone calls and trips home and all that kind of stuff but it becomes a very different experience and one of my most enjoyable memories is yeah living with people who aren't my family and making those networks and experiences in a new city and you know getting to see part of australia that i probably didn't consider three years prior Yeah, that's a huge benefit, I think, of defence is the ability to see and be exposed to so many states in Australia. Everyone who I've done interviews with has had the opportunity to be stationed somewhere, whether it's training or for a job, which is pretty incredible. Thank you so much for your time. I've absolutely loved chatting to you. And I think your career experience will really give give some insight into the into the industry. 